Have you noticed how much things have changed since you became a mum? Do you feel as though you're the only one struggling to adjust to this new norm? Can you no longer see clearly the things that felt so transparent before? Well friend, you are not alone, and we are here to invite you into our mummy village so that you always have somewhere to turn and a place where you belong. Together, we will try and bring to light the common struggles of the modern Orthodox mama and delve into scripture in the hope of navigating through all of our doubts on this new and exciting journey. So come as you are and open your heart and mind to embrace the transformation God has in store for you. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Mami Podcast. Today Marina and I are very blessed to be joined by a very special lady, Kathy. Um, Kathy is a wife, a mother of three beautiful children and to one angel baby in heaven. Uh, and she's so graciously agreed um, to join us today and share with us her experience with loss uh, and try and help us understand, I guess, a bit about what her experience with grief looked like um, and how she kind of found the strength to pick herself up and keep going and, you know, to be where she is today and how she is today. Um, and I guess I just want to say, uh, this episode can be a bit triggering for some people. So uh, we will be talking about miscarriage um, and infant loss, uh, stillbirth. So if this is a bit triggering for you um, or mentioning infertility, mm-hmm. it, it's just a note that that's what this episode, that's the direction it'll take. So uh, yes, it can be a trigger, but we really hope that I guess through Kathy's experience um, that that can shed light on, I guess, how we all can start to approach these topics, Mm. um, especially approach other people that we know might be going through the same thing, how we talk about loss, how we feel and experience grief and how we allow others to grieve. So I'm hoping that could be a bit of, Mm. you know, uh, can help us guide our own, yeah, perspective and our own approach to grief, not just with us, but with Mm. everyone around us. Um, so maybe this episode or maybe this conversation with Kathy can start, you know, your personal healing journey, um, and encourage you to start opening up to others, um, maybe start opening up with your struggles and share your grief, um, uh, maybe help another mum, you know, pick her up and help her with that as well. So Kathy, thank you so much and welcome, um, to our humble podcast (laughs) and we're honestly we're incredibly grateful that you're here so thank you so much it's an honor thank you um so just before we delve into your story kathy i think one of the things that we want to touch base on is that infertility and loss whether that's early miscarriage late-term miscarriage it's actually much more common than people realize Mm -hmm. um so i think the statistics are something like one in four women will miscarry um one in four pregnancies i should say will end in miscarriage which is ridiculous like that's a huge 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 number Mm -hmm. um and a lot of people feel like there's this burden to kind of suffer through it alone because it's not something that's spoken about it's not something that's publicized um and subsequently to that i think the other thing is that people who people not don't necessarily know how to approach the topic don't know how to support people who are grieving um and 
yeah, it's it's very difficult, but it's but again, it's very very common. Um, and the same thing with infertility. I think as a community um, and as a society, I should say, we're actually very bad about talking about like difficulty conceiving and what that looks like. And people just kind of assume like, yep, when I decide to fall pregnant, I'm going to fall pregnant. And there's a lot of judgments made about people mm-hmm. who don't have children. Um, but again, that's still something that's a really big it's a it's a really common thing that we're very bad at talking about so um i guess we just want people to know first of all they're not alone but also how to support each other through a time like this um so kathy i know um that it's been a few years now since you lost alexandra yes she's 13 now in heaven she's 13 so a a teenager a teenager (laughs) (laughs) thank thank god i have one already on earth now that's another one up there (laughs) um can you can you tell us your story Yes, so I had um, my first child um, and then moved to Australia. Um, and the first advice I got from my GP when I first moved was, okay, well, you need to concentrate on your family first. However, number of kids you want to have, just have everything done, look after your family first, and then you can start a career or look after yourself or find your path. So I thought that's a really good advice. Between my sister and I, there was a very small gap, and that's what I wanted to do with my children. So my daughter was born in 2005, my first one, and she's now 15. And then I thought, okay, I need to get the next one very quickly now because I don't want this big gap. Um, so I fell pregnant and in 2007, and I was very happy with that. My pregnancy was normal. I never had any problems with any uh, thing with my first pregnancy, Um, my second pregnancy or my still birth, baby Alexandra, um, I had, I carried her for um, 19 weeks and five days. And at that time I was due for the ultrasound to go and find out the gender of the baby. And I was very excited. I already had a girl. I had one niece and I had a sister Deep inside my heart, I did wonder if I wanted a boy just for a change. Um, and I know that very morning, I do remember that my baby was moving in my uterus and I, I could feel everything like I knew because that's my second child. So I knew what's happening and I knew my child's healthy and she's kicking and everything. Well, I didn't know it was a she at that point. We went to the ultrasound uh, the guy's taking measurements. I'm joking around and, oh, so that's the arm, that's the leg. And he's like very serious. Yep, yep, yep. And he's like not talking at all. And then he said, so do you want to find the gender? I said, yes. And he said, okay, it's a girl. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. In my head, oh, I wish maybe, <laughs> you know, not really that I didn't want a girl, but just for the sake of change, I felt maybe I wanted a little boy. I don't know, like it wasn't a strong feeling. I didn't feel it before or thinking about, like I didn't think about it, but it was a tiny little thought in my head. And then he just left the room and came back with my GP on the phone. My GP is asking me, Kathy, did you feel the baby recently moving? I'm like, yeah, up until this morning. Well, because he's saying that he can't find a heartbeat. I'm like, no, baby was moving until this morning. Um, anyway, he, he was obviously in a very awkward position. He found somebody else to come in and show me and check. And three people walked into the room to check. There was no heartbeat. That was it. 
Um, I was in disbelief at first. I think I first started to treat all of them as, no, you don't understand. Something's wrong with you guys. I need a new place or something. Like I didn't get angry or anything, but I was just not very happy, obviously. And then I was instructed to go and see my GP. She asked me to go to hospital and it was the process of, okay, we're very sorry about your loss. And this is when I started to actually believe that there's a loss and hang on a second. It's not a mistake. It's not. What about what I felt this morning? Well, it was it. And and the guy said to me, um, the baby's up to date in terms of measurement. So you're right. This must have happened now, this morning. Um, I mean, what are the odds for this to happen? Um, at the hospital, I was told I was lucky because um, my little child is 19 weeks and five days. Had it Had she been 20 weeks? I would have had to go through funeral and paperwork and things like that. And I was told I was lucky because, again, we found out straight away. So there was no complications. And in both times, the word lucky just hit me hard. It just wasn't, it didn't sound nice. I had to go through everything. I had to go through um, childbirth, obviously. I was given a pill, waited for contractions. Um, Thankfully... It didn't take long for my body. They told me it can take up to three days, but it didn't take long for my body to start to give birth, I suppose. Uh, At that very time, I was quite angry. I found that child in my hands and I'm like, okay, take her away. I did ask the nurses to take her away and they started to talk to me in that very sweet voice, very empathetic voice. attitude and and somehow that didn't make me feel better I was quite angry at the whole situation this is not right take her away okay well do you want us to take pictures of her do you want us to dress her and take pictures and things like that no take her away what happens from there oh you're gonna have to just go home and you know obviously rest and and maybe you can try in an in a month or so and we're obviously going to do tests and things to try and find out the reason for this um, stillbirth Um, days have passed they could not find the reason uh, which was more frustrating I suppose because in a way we were hoping okay they found this or they found that can be treated cannot be treated do I get a closure do I not but because there was an it was an unexplained uh, still birth I was just very upset Um, everything kept back kept coming back to my mind is it because of that tiny little thought that oh maybe a boy for a change I don't know I don't even think I've spoken about this to anybody before um, but it's always been on my mind is that it because I was not thankful enough um, back then I wasn't so close to God I was a good Christian as a religious person uh, religious person I mean yes I go to the mass every week I did take care of my uh, family we would read the bible we would go to you know church and Sunday school and all that sort of thing I used to be a servant in Egypt and I've served for years but a real close relationship with God I didn't have um, when I went home I, ha- I started asking more questions. Is it because when I was moving from house to house, I kept on uh, uh, ripping that scotch, the, the white cellar tape. I kept on ripping that with my mouth. Did I poison my little child? 
Uh, is it because I carried a lot of boxes when I was moving? Is it because I used an electric blanket when I was, you know, when I go to sleep? I kept on trying to find where my mistake was. And obviously pe people don't help because they do ask you questions. And even if they don't tell you it's because you've done this or that, you kind of get it. You understand that somehow maybe they are pointing here or there. Um, in our community, I know that everybody from my friends tried to be close and look after me and, and, and they did all come over and, and, and visited. But I did feel like it's more of a celebration with so many kids playing in my house. And I had to obviously get up and, and give them food and stuff. And I was like, well, hang on, what about me? But I just went with it. I went with it. Um, and then I called um, my employer. Back then I was working at a shop in Bondi Junction. I called and I said, well, this happened. And they're like, okay, look after yourself to take two weeks off. Okay. I didn't know what do I need to do with those two weeks off. Mm -hmm. I just stayed home and I was like more angry, more upset inside. Um, mainly because I didn't get, I didn't get that grief time. I didn't feel like I had time for me. And even when, when my employer asked me to take time off, obviously for, for grief, I just didn't feel it because I still have to continue my duties as a mom and I still have to look after everything and keep everything in place. Um, I heard later on from my husband that uh, he had spoken to my GP and apparently I was starting to get depressed because I was in front of the TV 24-7 and eating a lot of chocolates. Um, at that time, I've put on about 10 kilos that I've never lost. I still carry those 10 kilos until now. Like with my first, second and third pregnancies, I didn't put on any considerable weight, seven kilos here and there, and I'd lose half of them or so. But with Alexandra those 10 kilos I never lost or so I call them you know um things have started to change after a little while and I started to feel okay maybe I didn't need to go with the flow maybe I needed to stop so it did take a few years for me to remind myself of what happened and and accept it and uh, and deep inside my heart to sort of grief um I did look up to God and said, well, you owe me a child. I didn't really have that close relationship, as I said, but I looked at him and said, well, you owe me a child. And I wasn't very happy. Like I didn't, I was still, I, I still went to church. I still did everything like a good Christian I thought would do, but I stayed cold with him. Um, at the back of my mind, I did believe that he gives us immeasurably more than we ask for. And I know that he had a better plan. And I just didn't understand what kind of better plan can it be when you take my child away? Uh, is it because you're going to give me a boy when I, when I found out that my third child's a boy? Is it because of that? Because, you know, no, it's not that. It's not what I was looking for. Um, but that's how it happened. Um, and I suppose from there, things started to change after my, my, well, my third child, Emmanuel. He's 12 now. Um, and I think that's my story. L slowly, slowly, I started to open up and show my grief and take, do like posts on Facebook, on Facebook, um, on her 
well, birthday. Um, and I do get mixed reactions, but I know that I felt I didn't honour her back then. And I need to honour her every time I think of her. She's part of the family. I believe she's in heaven. I know that for fact. So I need to celebrate her birthday as part of my family, just like we celebrate our dog. Why can't we celebrate my daughter in heaven if I celebrate my dog? Um, so those posts are not because I'm still grieving, but it's because it's because I want to honour her, to celebrate her, to acknowledge that she is part of my family. Um, and then obviously later, my relationship with God's changed. He's revealed so much to me. He's uh, showed me who he is and how loving and caring he is. Um, and one day, my sister, who had only one child back then, she um, fell pregnant. And they told her, oh, well, you have twins. Nobody in our family, nobody in her husband's family had twins. Okay, congratulations. That's great news. And then later on, we found out that she had triplets. No IVFs, nothing. She got triplets. And my instant response was, well, one of those kids are mine because God owes me a child. Years and years have passed. And so this happened in 2007. 2014 comes and I'm pregnant again with my fourth child. And that's John. He's five now. Um, obviously with a very big gap between him and my eldest who is 15 and I looked at God and I said yes I did ask you for a child I, I said you owe me a child but I didn't mean for you to give him to me 10 years later because that's a massive gap and now I'm concerned and I'm older and think, things here and there but in miraculous ways God showed me that this child is um, not an accident he's a gift um, and when God gives, gives a gift, he gives again immeasurably more. So he turns to be a big bundle of joy for the whole family. We all focus on him. We look after him and we got a lot of um, promises that he's going to be a man of God mm -hmm. and we just believe and mm -hmm. wait. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And like, I don't know, I think it's, to me, it's just, I don't, I don't understand how you can keep going at a time that, because you, you said it yourself, like you had no time for yourself. And I think when you're already a mum, in a lot of ways, that makes it a lot harder mm. because you have a responsibility. You have another little human who's dependent on you. And you're right. Where is that time to just let yourself fall apart and mm. grieve? for that loss hmm. it's I think for me that's the thing that I'm yes. most in awe of yes and I suppose the the negative responses that you get from well they are unintentional mm. negative responses that you get from friends or family about how oh it's okay you have a, you have a child already you'll be fine we don't know any problems in our family about uh, pregnancies so you should be fine just dust yourself off and move on as much as it breaks you at some point, when it comes from everybody around you, somehow it sets that bar. Okay, well, that's what I suppose I need to do. So you just keep pushing yourself to do it until at some point 
well, 10 years after my uh, stillbirth, mm. I I had to say this first. At the hospital, they said to me, we're going to take photos of your child anyway. And they will be in archive for 10 years. Mm. So at any time, when you change your mind, come back and get them. 10 years later, 10 years exactly, I went back to St. George and I asked for my photos mm. and started to show my kids and started to talk about how this happens and look at the baby and li the little tiny details. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, it did help in a way. It did mm. break me back then mm. because I did feel hurt, but I suppose it did sink in me that, well, I need to push myself and move on. Eventually I had to, as you said, mm. stop break apart, yeah. go back to that hospital and ask for the photos and, and sit there for a couple of days, allowing myself enough time mm. and, and closure mm. and just move on. We obviously have to move on and we need to look after our families. And I do agree with that. Mm. But then that's grieving is not a lack of faith. Yeah, exactly. It's not denying that we believe in God and we believe in his plans and we believe that he has the best one for us. Yeah, exactly. It's despite that mm. because our human side needs his help yeah exactly but even like i think i think you're right i think often grief gets mistaken as a lack of faith but people forget they forget that jesus grieved mm. he grieved over he, the loss of his friend absolutely he was sad over the loss of his yes. friend despite the fact that he knew yeah he's exactly going to, what he was exactly. raising yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. As, a, as a human he still grieved yeah and I think that that blows my mind constantly when people are like, oh, you just have to have faith. Oh, it's okay. Mm. I agree. I agree exactly with what you're saying. It's definitely perceived mm. that way. And we just need to remember that it's okay. Mm. And in fact, it's, it's, it's not normal not to grieve. That's right. It's, that's yeah. not a normal response. No. Yeah. No, and right. I guess Christ himself in weeping at the mm. tomb of Lazarus, in breaking down in stress, at the you know before the cross mm. he gave our humanity permission yes. to do the same he mm. gave us that freedom to feel to everything feelings. that mm. we feel we mm. can't control a feeling that's come over us mm. you know yes we can tame it to an extent if we don't want to sin but mm. he's allowed us he's given us freedom and permission to feel mm. and to grieve mm. and to be stressed and to be upset and even to be mad mm. like he's given us that freedom and I think there was a beautiful there's a book I was reading um I think her name is Sheila Walsh she writes a book called it's okay not to be okay mm -hmm. it's a great book and she says in it she says by denying ourselves I'm going to butcher this so it's not a quote it's a paraphrase I have to say that every time because <laughs> if people read the book they'll be like she did not get it right but she basically says you know if we're not allowing ourselves that vulnerability to be not okay in that moment then we are denying exactly the person Christ has created us mm. to be we what are a denying his greater <clears throat> plan for <clears throat> us so he made us a certain way and then I'm trying to push away that personality and that love and the emotions and the zest and the fire that he's given me. Mm -hmm. So I think we owe it not just to ourselves, but we owe it to our creator to be our true versions of ourselves. And if he's given us, the almighty, the sinless, has given us permission to be free and to feel, 
who am I then to turn around and be like, actually, I just need to have faith. Mm, like yes. you said it perfectly. Faith is not, you know, contradicting. Yeah. It doesn't mm. contradict my mm. emotions. Mm. It, I, in a way it builds it up. Mm. Like I am able to feel what I feel because of my faith, because of my belief in Christ. So I think we really need to stop, you know, blurring the lines. <laughs> you know, we, it, it's all intertwined. Mm. It's all one. And because I feel doesn't make me less of a Christian. It makes me a Christian. It mm. makes me the person he's created me to be. So it's, yes. it's hard. I can, I can understand because I'm sure I've been that person who's thought the same. And then christ kind of pushed me in that vulnerable box and he's like okay you're gonna feel exactly what it feels like because mm. this is where i want you to be mm. so i i know i've been there but having gone through it i feel it's our responsibility to now like you're doing today share and be open about these feelings and emotions and allow others to see that this is you know we're all here for each other mm. we're human in our humanity we're broken and we need to lift each other up because who's going to do that for us? Yes. But he's very, like, the Bible addresses grief, like, frequently, you know. He says, like, there's, and there's advice about, like, mourning with those who mourn. Mm. So it's obviously mm. something that is meant to happen. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just we've created this perception that, no, you just have to yeah. be stoic and, and move on. But, like, that's... Yeah. And Christ would have said that mm. to the mum who was mourning the death of her son in the streets. Mm, he would have sure. scolded her in the streets mm. if, if he, if it was a lack of faith or mm. if it was, if she was not supposed to feel sad at his loss. Mm. I, yeah. He would have led by example and shown us that this is, you know, not mm. how you're supposed to feel. But he never does. Mm-hmm. He never says, actually, you're wrong in the way you feel. Mm. Because, you know, I'm going to heal them, so yeah. it's okay. Mm. But mm. even when he was going to raise, raise, <laughs> raise Lazarus, he wept. Mm. He showed them that I'm never going to scold you for how you feel. Mm. So I don't see how we could do that to each other. Mm. I agree. So I think one of the biggest reasons people don't talk about this or don't support each other is that they're so scared of, like, saying the wrong thing or mm. doing the wrong thing. And obviously, like, everybody's process is a little bit different. But for you, Kathy, what were the things that you found helped you during that time? What things were what were things that people said or did or, or were that helped you or supported you? Okay, so amongst all responses that I've received, at the end of the day when I sat down to think about all of that, it was, okay, well, they all mean well. They all love me. They all care. Um, the, the occasional times where I wondered if I should blame myself, if it was me, particularly when they found no reason for this miss, uh, for this stillbirth, uh, in those moments, I, I just went back and thought, okay, well, that's not true. I should not be blaming myself. Nothing that I've done is the reason for this to happen. And there was nothing in my hands that could have done to prevent this. Um, it's not, okay, well, you're pregnant, you've got to sit down all the time, or you're pregnant so you can't walk, or you're pregnant so you can't enjoy life and eat this and that. I suppose 
excuse me, I suppose everybody or every culture has different restrictions when it comes to food. And that was something I was completely aware of having my first child in Egypt with particular restrictions. Moving on to Australia, completely different set of restrictions. So I knew that it cannot be this. Um, my husband played a big role here, obviously, supporting me and finding whatever worked to comfort me and to sort of change the mood and, and um, brighten up our life a little bit. Um, so he, he, he did ask around a lot. I never knew that. But later I found out that he'd ask around, how can I help? How can I support her? He was obviously grieving himself. But, well, given the situation, I suppose my body had to suffer a lot more and that made it a little bit more difficult. Um, so while he was in grief too, he looked for ways to support me. Um, in all of that, as I said, I still had in mind that whatever happens, God gives us immeasurably more. And I know that my my little one now, John, is that demonstration of how God gives us immeasurably, immeasurably more. It's not just in those concrete things or another child he does not need to do that every time with every person who has a loss here and there but it's for me that's how I saw it happen um, and then when we say he gives us immeasurably more it's not according to what I do it's not according to what I deserve or what I'm worthy for but it's according to his will according to his generosity according to what he wants to his richness he wants to do that with everybody and I suppose I printed this and I've stuck it up on my wall nothing fancy just a piece of paper that I laminated and I kept on looking at it all the time till now this is my favorite verse and every time things happen and 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 life looks a little dull I continue to believe well you're going to fix it. You have a plan. Whatever happens, I'm going to continue to feel what I feel. I'm going to continue to maybe fall apart and pick myself up again and, and, and obviously just fight and continue with that daily battle with everything we face in life. But he still has something more for us. It's just like what we were saying in the, the mental health episode where we, you know, in HSC, we'd put up all those verses, verses and messages of hope. Mm. And I think it would be good to go back to that. All of us. Mm. Just, I did exactly that. Yeah. In HSC. Color coded. <laughs> everywhere. And I, I, my hobby is calligraphy. So oh. I'd, I'd print, I'd write them down and I, you know, make the paper fancy and stuff. Just put them everywhere. It was exactly yeah. against studying. <laughs> and I often got in trouble for that. <laughs> For the best reasons, though. It's That's okay. It, it's hey? the best reason. <laughs> That's it. Um, obviously, my daughter, like I had a child to, to look after. And I, that, she, she was a smile every day for me. And um, she did understand at a very, very young age that mommy was not happy and mm -hmm. something happened and I'm not pregnant anymore. So she, the, the way she uh, helped me was mm -hmm. just unbelievable. And obviously, when I, when I got Emmanuel, who is my third child... He also was a big joy and somehow, yes, you do feel like, okay, God's just giving you that big hug and yeah. saying he's another child for now. Just smile and be happy. But then again, he doesn't do that with everybody and everybody feels his presence in a different way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So 
going back again, do you feel like you would have liked to see something specific from your friends or your family? What would, if if you could go back and tell them what you would have benefited from, benefited, sorry, from at the time, <laughs> what would that be? Because uh, I guess for us and for everybody listening, it how can we support someone else who we might know has gone through it? You know, even if she doesn't speak about it. I think allowing them to talk about it is very important mm. because sometimes you don't want your friend to talk about their grief because you don't want to trigger sadness and you don't want to trigger the tears. You don't want to be the cause of sadness. But there's nothing forgotten in the first place. It's not like you have triggered anything that wasn't already there. Already there. Mm. So I think allowing your friend to talk about it mm. and give plenty of time to just listen. Sometimes it can be just a couple of words. I remember one time between like after my stillbirth and before I got pregnant with my third child, one friend asked me what's wrong. And I just blurted, I can't get pregnant. This is really frustrating. Mm. And and these were my words. Mm. And and she just nodded and understood, showed understanding. Mm. She didn't say, but you will. You've already had a child. You will have another one. There's no reason for you. She didn't say any of that because typical women, we want to be heard. We want to speak about it when we're comfortable enough to speak about it. Mm -hmm. We need to feel safe to be vulnerable. Uh, around those loved ones mm. and those we think love us. Mm. So I think allowing, allowing your friends to speak is a very important part. Um, obviously being there, but that can vary from person to person. So you can't be in their face when they need some space. space. Mm. So that's um, like obviously based on individual situations mm. and individual people can react differently to that but I suppose the main part is to be there and and that's what I said about my friends at the end of the day when I sat down with myself I knew that they loved me and they cared and that's why they showed up with all their family to look after yeah. me and mm. we sort of ate together there was a lot of sweets and desserts and things like that yes it did look like a celebration that did break my heart a little bit but that that's them showing me that they are there mm. for me mm. I think like to, to reiterate your point though about allowing, I think that's something that I have heard, like I've lost count of how many times I've heard that, just allow the person, allow your friend to talk about it. Mm. We get so caught up in like wanting to say the right thing, mm. do the Finding right thing. Finding solutions. Yes. You don't need to find a yeah. solution, just listen. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. And I, I've honestly, like I've lost track of how many times I've heard that mm. now. So mm. I feel like God's giving me a message. <laughs> like let people talk about it. That's mm. what they need. They need to process. They need to share their feelings. And I love how you're saying, you know, you're right. I know for me, it's definitely that I don't want to upset them, but you're right. They're already up. They're already grieving. They're mm. already upset like a, a burden shared is halved mm, like it's, that's right. it's at least you can carry even a minuscule amount of that mm. by allowing that person to talk about exactly it right. mm. um so so one of the things that people don't often realize is that after a miscarriage or a stillbirth or a loss um there are things in your body that i think are very difficult to deal with um, and the changes in your body that are very difficult to deal with can you shed a bit of light on that for us so my main thing was um having milk mm. and I was like 
the nurse is telling me, so now you're going to start to have milk and things. And I'm like, what now? Because I go home with no baby and I've got milk. And then I start, obviously I had a child, so I know. And I start to swell and have all of those dramas. Yeah. I don't want this. Yeah. Um, when I've had my first child in Egypt, I to stop the milk, I took a pill. Mm -hmm. It's that simple in Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know that's not the same case in Australia. But I went to my GP and I said, look, I don't need this grief. I don't need the dramas. I don't need to have mastitis. Is that what you call it? Yes. Yeah. I don't need to have this when I don't have a baby. We suffer all of that when we have a little baby in our arms. But when I'm grieving, I really don't want this. So I did ask for that pill and she happily gave it to me. And, and, and that was done, like I think within three days or four days. I didn't have any milk anymore. I can't say exactly that I celebrated that. It was another weird feeling. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was just a bit of a relief mm. that I don't have to carry that burden when, like, always reminding me that I went home babyless. Mm. Um, I think that's the main thing that I do remember mm. 13 years mm. later. Mm. Um, and I, that probably the only thing that I was v feeling very strongly about, mm. like I didn't allow any conversation or discussion or but you know and and, and hormones and let's not do this and that. No, uh, I want this and I need it now mm. and um, I mean I think thankfully this worked well mm. I don't know what the rules are or I don't know how things should have been mm. but I know I, I was back then I was very easygoing and I'd like listen to anybody who told tells me this is what you need to do so if you say no you're not allowed okay I'm not allowed I'll listen yeah uh, but with this, I do remember that I just made it clear that I cannot deal yep. with this kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. And that's like, I think that's a really big thing is that that late miscarriages or late stillbirths, having, having a baby, your body thinks it's, it, it it's knows it's baby. had a baby. It that's it, right. Yeah. It, it doesn't right. understand with what's all happened. all the bleeding and everything. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. really, really hard. And I think especially if you have had another child like a living child because you mm. know you know mm. you know what to expect you know exactly. all of that so it's exactly. very hard yeah. um and definitely in like early miscarriages I know one of the things often that happens is that you know you you might your baby might have passed um mm. but you're still your body still thinks it's pregnant and that's another really confronting thing for a lot of women mm. to deal with mm. um and the reason that I mention all of this is that I think that it's important to be aware that it's not just not emotional yeah it's not just mm. emotional there's it's often a very physical. real yeah and mm. you have to support people through that as well as best as you know how absolutely mm. absolutely and i do remember my husband checking on me all the mm. time are you okay do you need mm. any help uh has the pill worked yet mm. are you feeling better now mm. um obviously he doesn't know what to do he can't really work it out mm. either like this is not a situation you go through every day mm -hmm. and again you don't hear a lot about it either until it happens and then this person will tell you oh it happened to my cousin oh it happened to me then, where were you before <laughs> yeah yeah so he he did also uh, make sure that i'm i'm fine and and things like i'm recovering basically yeah yeah yeah, I think our partners uh, have a lot to carry, like mm. in situations like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I love how you said, you know, he was grieving a child as well. Mm. Um, I think often we forget that, mm. um, and we forget that when we are supporting our friends as well, that yeah. that 
the dad has also lost his child. Massive, mm. massive. And the hardest part is somehow mm. we are the people who talk about it all the time yes. and we are the people who are allowed to grieve yes. uh, over this. Mm. But the dad's expected to Go on. pick up the family and mm. move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But then I looked at his eyes day one and I knew that he's grieving just mm. as much as yeah. I did. Mm. Yeah. What did that what did that change about your relationship with your husband? What did your relationship with him, having gone through that and maybe having finally seen his grief as well while you were also grieving, did your relationship change? So I always say in those situations, or oh, that's how I see it, like um, I call it like just moving countries. Between moving countries and having babies, whether losing babies or having babies those those things can make or break a relationship so they are trialing times obviously and in trialing times you've got to show your true color whether you can't whether you try to hide it or not does happen so in 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 that situation i think um thankfully just we 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 became much closer um he he could see my pain Maybe a lot more than I realized because, as I said, at first I was angry and I'm like, yep, take that baby. I don't want anything to do with her. I don't want to talk about it. But he knew he could see how I'm feeling a lot more than how I knew consciously. So I suppose I did uh, feel so grateful for him for understanding and for showing a lot of empathy and for being so supportive, again, although he was also grieving. So um, I think we were very blessed in that case that we kept our family together mm-hmm. and we didn't throw blames at each other mm-hmm. there was no blame whatsoever and I did hear others and I, I met like as part of my work I, I met one mom who was blaming herself heavily mm-hmm. for losing a child um, and this obviously I think I think somehow does need some some psychological treatment uh, but in our case, thankfully, we didn't need to go through any sort of blame or anything mm-hmm. like that. We just held hands mm-hmm. and moved on together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can I touch a little bit on the blame? Because you've actually mentioned it a few times now. Yeah. And I think for, for me in a professional capacity, the first thing that I say to anyone who has suffered from a loss mm. is this is not your fault. Yes. The first thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think it as as human nature but especially as mums mm. anything that mm. goes wrong mm. we carry on ourselves Absolutely. and Absolutely. it's exactly what you were describing of like racking your mind trying mm. to work out what was it that I did mm. and and I agree I for me as a person for me as a person and that answer of nothing like mm. you did nothing wrong or there was no reason found I would find that also incredibly mm. incredibly frustrating mm. i like to have a reason for yes, everything give me a reason yes tell me that yeah. i'm never gonna get pregnant again yes. but don't tell me oh we don't know yeah like yeah. yeah yeah exactly um but i think we sometimes unwill unknowingly kind of perpetuate that mm. that that thought process you know when you see a pregnant lady drinking coffee mm. or you see someone um you know 
exercising during pregnancy or um, carrying heavy boxes or carrying their their child, their their toddler. Yeah, child. Like, you know, Mm. things that you're just like, you know, it doesn't make sense to tell someone not to do that, but you Mm. say, oh, no, don't do that. You're pregnant. You can't do that. Mm. And we as a society definitely place this ridiculous expectation on pregnant women. Eat this, don't eat this, Mm. do that, don't do that. Mm. Um, And that definitely feeds into that feeling of I must have done something wrong. Um, And so I think if there's one thing that you are going to say to somebody, it is just that reminder that Mm. it's It's not not your fault. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing that you've done. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I think that's something I feel, I know I've gone on a rant, I'm sorry, but it's something that I feel very strongly about because Mm. I see it all the time, Mm. all the Mm. time. Mm. And it is never, it is honestly, like I can't tell you one situation that I've seen where it's been something that a mother has done. Mm. It's, it, that's never the case. Um, and, and in fact, like I'd go even further and say medically, a lot of the time we actually don't find the reason for mm. a stillbirth or a miscarriage. I'd say like the majority of the cases you don't find a, a reason. It's rare yeah. that you do find um, something. So I, I think, you know, just remember that it that's the, that's the one thing, like if this is something you've suffered from, I think mm. if you're not going to hear it from anywhere else, hear it from us. It's mm. not It's not your fault. It's not That's anything right. that you've done. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's that also easy at the time to question God's motive in your life. And mm. I know that's he's the first person I blame when something goes wrong after mm. myself. I'm like, yeah. well, if it's not me, it's you. It's <laughs> got to be God. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of I don't I don't know if this was ever said to you, Kathy, but personally with other things, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people would say things in fleeting conversation like, you know, maybe you did something to upset God or maybe, you know, you're carrying this sin. And that is not our God. No. That is not <laughs> the God that we worship and we love and we mm. praise. Mm. That is that is definitely not my God and that's not how he operates. He's not, and like not, we not said, my dad. No, yeah. he's dad not my not dad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we mention it a few times, like we are in our human state, in our human form. We are fallen, which means things like mutations and, you know, genetic abnormalities and cancer and all of this stuff is going to happen without us knowing why. Mm. And that's not because, you know, God throws it at you because you've done something wrong. Mm. This is this is the world we live in. Mm. And mm. if we're thrown something like that, it's not I, – I don't believe that that's, you know, God trying to, you know, pin me down mm. and teach me a lesson. This happens. And it's just another opportunity for me to say, okay, God, it's happened. You've allowed it. I don't know why. But now you need to help me move forward because mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the most beautiful prayer we can pray when we're, you know, on the floor, on our knees, begging, crying, you know, broken and at our most vulnerable. It's not about a blame game with God. And I, I say this, but I'm the first that should take <laughs> this advice. It's not a blame game. It's an opportunity to say, OK, I don't know why this has happened. Nobody can tell me why. I don't know why you let this happen when you had control to not, you know, to stop it. Mm. But now I need you to help me break out of this pain. How do I, what next? Mm. Where do I go from here? Mm. 
what journey do you want me to go through exactly. to grow? Because he would never allow anything like that to happen unless he wants to grow us and show mm. us a lot more love. Again, I agree with you 100%. He can never, ever do that to us. He is a loving God. He's a loving dad. And all he wants for us is love, mm. peace, happiness, prosperity, lots and lots of kids. If that's what makes us happy, he's never going to do that. Thank God I never had that thought and nobody said that to me. Mm. Um, later on in life, I think I did wonder mm. at some point, point uh, in my faith, not necessarily related to Alexandra, mm. but I did wonder if God is that kind of God who can reprimand and who is going to, um, I don't know, take revenge maybe. And he showed me in so many different ways that, no, he's nothing but love. Mm. And and that verse in the Bible is not written just to say, oh, he's love. No, no, he is love, nothing but love. Mm. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think like in my, in the moments that I felt most undeserving, he has shown me grace mm. beyond imagination. Mm. And mm. it's always when I feel most undeserving it's never when i'm like yeah i'm good i've got this <laughs> yeah i've got Gold this star. yeah you've exactly. got this you can keep going you can do it on your own go for it <laughs> it's never ever been the case mm. Mm. um and just on that note you know god yes he's allowed this to happen but his mansion is now full of children roaming around mm you know, running around, running amok, teenager in heaven, you never mm. know what's happening. <laughs> like they are in a better place. And we know that. Absolutely. And we know that and we believe that. Um, and yes, he's allowed. And and I think that's the difficulty before when we were talking about, you know, a lot of people commenting, saying, you know, you just have faith. They're in heaven. They're in a better place. Just move on. Pick yourself up. Mm. It's hard for us here because we're constantly trying to focus on eternity because we know that that's where we're going to end up. This life is fleeting. It's a moment compared to what's to come. Mm. And for us, we try so hard to focus on the heavenly that we forget that we're still living here. So yes, they're in heaven and yes, they're they're loved and they're looking down on us and they, they still, you're still their mum, you know, mm. like the relationship that bond doesn't get broken you're still his they're still his you know and he's he's kind of got this beautiful place up there filled with all these angel babies mm. you know that we never got to meet but are in heaven and actually there's um Oh, what movie was it? Heaven is for real. Heaven is for oh, real. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that, that. book. <laughs> that book that later turned into a movie, Heaven is for Real. It is an amazing book. Mm-hmm. I read it many, many, many mm-hmm. years ago, but mm-hmm. it's still, till this day, there's, a, there's an artist that paints a portrait from visions that he had um, of heaven, and he's got this portrait of Christ that is just so strikingly beautiful, and it's still to this day on my phone as one of my favorites but basically this book this this boy ends up was it a surgery he had his appendix I think burst or something and he ended up going into the operating room and throughout the operation he has a vision of heaven Mm. and he comes back after the operation and he tells his dad you know I saw heaven blah, blah blah and everyone's like oh you don't know what you're talking about and then his visions get more and more vivid and still people don't believe him 
And then one day at home, he turns to his mum and he says, Mum, I met my Mm. sister. Mm. And he calls her by name. Mm. And she's like, how did you know that name? Like she was shocked. And he told her about the story, how he met her and what she looked like and how happy she was. Um, He sees her and he tells his mum and that's the point where everyone's like, okay, he is telling the truth. Like this boy can't make that up. About that he, he was a young boy. He was maybe four or five. I can't mm. remember his age. There's no way he could be making that up. And they didn't tell their kids about that. And so for us, we know that that's real. We believe that. And we know they're there. And they're whole and they're perfect and they're loved. And they're in a much better place. And they never had to suffer the woes of this world. But we grieve because we never got to know them. Mm. And it's okay to do so, even though I'm looking at eternity, because I believe all that. It doesn't make what's here insignificant. Mm. Mm. I know I know, like um, someone who suffered, uh, her, her baby died um, a month or so after he was born. And um, she always, she always says, like she always posts about that, saying, like, I know he is with Jesus, and I cannot wait for the day that I yes. will see him again. Mm, yes. Um, and I look at her, and I feel like, even though it's not something I've experienced, I understand that. Mm, and mm. you know, yes, she misses him, and of course, she looks forward to that day. She wants to be with her baby, and I mm. feel like, yeah, that makes sense. But you're mm. right; it doesn't make the loss any less mm, in exactly. that lighter. yeah um having this for real as a book um is a great one i found mm. for people who are grieving the loss of a baby um i had uh, a friend last year who had a miscarriage after trying so hard to get pregnant um and obviously that was a very tough time for her she is a good christian but then again not too close to god Um, and I gave her that book and I wrote a few words in it, hoping that she can find some peace, um, in that journey. And I've attached the movie as well. Although we do think that the book is better. (laughs) It's, it's just got the vivid pictures, I suppose. Um, and this person came back to me and, and could not thank me enough, obviously for this gift because, this book did help a lot for her through grief. And I suppose that was the same for me. And and that's why I wanted to make sure or emphasize that we believe in eternity. We believe in, um, in that second reunion where I can only imagine, you know, I can only imagine me running to her and she's running towards me, big fluffy dress and, you know, beautiful hair. Um, I can see my kids running towards her too, big, big family hug like we do. And these are the things we look forward to. That's the hope. What does hope mean? What 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 does it mean? We hope for that eternal eternal life. And it's um it's all about Christ, it's all about Jesus, but then all of those little kids are his kids, so they're in him. They still him, just like we are in him. So uh, I think um I would highly recommend this book to anybody who's uh, suffered. Um, and I would I would just say, if you close your eyes right now and can see your little baby, 
and you can see that you you can have that reunion you can see that you you are back together again in eternity just turn around both of you and look at Christ see the light see the light and where he's shining upon you because it's only complete when he is there in the picture mm. that's beautiful I've just got one last question if that's okay um, how have you kept Alexandra's memory alive with your kids and with your family what do you do I guess in your process what do you do to honor her well I never stop talking about her like you can never you can never ask me any question about my kids without me telling oh yeah I had three pregnancies but then I had a fourth one you don't know the baby but I had a fourth pregnancy and Sometimes I do see it in people's eyes that, oh, yeah, I'm trying to just get attention here or I'm just uh, throwing, you know, something out of the blue to make them feel uncomfortable. I don't really care that that person lives with us um, for years. I've kept before I go back to get her photos. I just took from the hospital her handprints and uh, footprints. And I had a big collage on my walls with family pictures. And for years I've kept this picture with them. Um, until I think we just moved houses and there was no collage anymore. Um, but for my kids, I always talk about her. She's she's always with us. Like we, we never stopped. I suppose the only thing is through that journey, like when she was f first born, we never gave her a name. She was non-existent. They just took her away. And I was lucky apparently not to have a funeral and things. Um, so I suppose later on, George and I sat together and we decided to give her a name. And since she became Alexandra, Alexandra, things have changed in our family when we refer to her, when we talk about her. Obviously, having those pictures all the time is something else. Last time I was looking for them, I went frantic and George is like, well, I have them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So I think... We all think about her all the time. I can't say we're still grieving as such, but particularly because of the way I reacted in my early days, I feel like every day I owe her to honour her and to celebrate her in heaven. And um, we continue to just think of her as part of our heaven life that's waiting for us. One of, I've, I've actually come across that a few times um, where I've asked a child, oh, do you have any brothers or sisters at, at work? And they'll say, oh, yes. And then like I'll be like, oh, how old is she or how old is he, depending on obviously what they've said. And um, oftentimes like it's very interesting to hear it from little ones. Mm. Um, they'll be like, oh, no, she's very, very tiny or like, oh, I never got to meet her. Um, and kids interpret that differently. Most of them actually do say, oh, no, she's in heaven. Um, she's she's four years old or she was a little tiny baby. She's very, very little. Mm. So it's very, I feel like kids almost are more accepting of that. And they just, and it becomes, I loved, I guess what I'm trying to say is I love how they, it's, that is their, their sister, that is their brother. Mm. And there's no two thoughts about it. There's exactly. no like, oh, I shouldn't say that or I should say that. Mm. It's no. just, it's a fact. And yes. that's what it is. It is a fact. And it's been instilled in them, become some sort of faith. I believe maybe they didn't see that child. They didn't meet that little baby, but they do believe they have another child. They, they have another uh, sibling up in heaven in a way or another, however they word it. But the faith inside is yeah. there. 
Yeah. yeah. And I think that's beautiful. I think if kids need to be involved in this whole process. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I guess just to kind of try and bring this to a close, you were talking about resources before and you mentioned Heaven is for Real. I think that's a great, great mm-hmm. book. Highly, highly recommend for ev- everyone mm-hmm. and anyone really. It's a it's a beautiful kind of, um, I guess, tribute to the whole eternity and earthly intertwining and I think it's a beautiful book to read um there are a few other things out there so there is actually a devotional a 31 day devotional that Kurong sells and it's called loved baby and it's it's an entire devotional dedicated to women who have gone through miscarriages and loss um and stillbirth so that's that might be a good starting point and something to read your scripture with mm. something to pair it with you know your journaling um just as kind of a, a refresher i've read really good reviews about it i don't have it myself but i've heard mm. really good things about it um a grief observed by c.s lewis is also a really good book we all know how great mm-hmm. a writer he is <laughs> um uh, there's also another book called Healing After Loss um, by Martha Hickman. And I, I don't know if either of you have heard of that too, but it's it's also kind of a daily meditations kind of um, structure. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to just have something there that you can read or mm-hmm. something that, you, you know, you can have. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of social media accounts out there from strong Christian women who have gone through all types of loss um, and are honoring themselves and honoring God through their pages and they provide such beautiful kind of resources for other people who might be going through the same thing so there are a lot of resources out Mm. there Um, yeah and I guess you know to sum up in terms of resources, I think we can be the best resource for each other. Um, if we're just there, if we allow them space to grieve, if we give each other that room to just be who they are in that moment uh, by not being always the one with the answers or the mm-hmm. one that has to come in with advice. Cause let's be honest, we don't really have advice or answers. That's sound in a lot of these times. Um, but just being there, like Kathy said, you know, having that outlet, being that person that's constant, being someone that, you know, others can see that they can rely on mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think like unless you have gone through something like this, you can't understand. And I don't think you should pretend to understand either. I think mm. it's um, it's you, you're there to listen and support. And that's it. That's mm. your role. Um there is um there is a website as well. Um, we'll post on Instagram, yeah. um, and Facebook. Um, for like I think it's called Angel Babies or I can't remember, but basically it also has a lot of really really good resources about mm. about how to um how to process stillbirth okay. and 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 loss. So we'll we'll link that. Yeah, we'll up definitely post as well. it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. And obviously, don't forget, like not not just your friends, but your your spiritual fathers, your spiritual guides, and um, your GPs. Mm. There, there's there's lots of help available, um, if and when you feel like you yeah you need it. 
thank you so much Kathy for sharing with us today like it's been very humbling to sit and yeah. listen thank so you for so unbelievably grateful for being yeah. amazing listeners <laughs> <laughs> just a reminder that you can find us on Instagram so that's the underscore mommy underscore village um, on Facebook where it's just mommy M-A-M-I um, and Slido S-L-I dot D-O and the code is Mami, M-A-M-I. And you can also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Room Media and the Apple Podcast app. Yeah, Apple Podcast, Overcast, Anchor, Google Podcasts, we're everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just a reminder, we posted this on our Instagram stories a few weeks back, but we are in the process of getting our website up. Um, now, we would love blog posts from everyone listening, someone who has something to share, has a contemplation on a Bible passage, has, you know, a review on a book or an article, whatever it is, we want to share that on our website. So get in touch with us. Um, You don't have to be a professional writer. (laughs) You just have to have something to say. And it can be totally anonymous as well. So don't don't be put off by... Publicity. Yeah. Or, mm. you know, you want to change your name, you want a different name up there, we will <laughs> we'll comply. Do it. Yeah. So please send stuff through. Um, we'd, we'd absolutely love your posts on there. It would be great if we can actually get this village up and running mm-hmm. um, and we can all start kind of hearing each other out and learning from each other. So that would be really helpful mm-hmm. for us too. Mm-hmm. Um, so please get in touch with us. Uh, and once again, thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.